When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sorry. We're on the live stream, Brad. We're just talking about pizza. That's all right. <laughs> of course you are, of course you are. Oh, yeah. Everybody who tunes into the live stream will be more than used to this. We've clicked start, and I think Matt has gone off to change his shirt and get himself a drink. <laughs> so, can anybody do an American accent that could uh, just stand in? Hey, Spanners, how's it going? <laughs> nope, too fast, not enough pauses. Uh, hey, there he goes. Two rumpets. Okay. So, guys, uh, welcome to Miss Apex Podcast Live. Obviously, we're doing a bit of go-karting later. We are putting this out as a podcast, so you'll be part of the show. So, do feel free to troll. Do feel free to shout out. Uh, to, to an extent. Uh, are any, any of my real-life trolls from the chat room? Did they come up? If you want to ask a question, we'll, we'll do it schoolyard style. So just stick your hand in the air, and Tony will come and shove a mic in your face. Oh. <laughs> are people that polite in Oh, I don't know. Depends which school I you went, went to. I went to a very, very good school in Essex. I was, Nicola, don't, don't give it... That's, uh, that's my wife in the corner. That's Mrs. Spanners. Say, say hello. Um, are you going to say all those really nice things that you normally say? Right, okay, guys. Remember... <laughs> Remember the deal we made, okay? If you want me to be allowed out karting again, okay, I say nice things about Mrs. Spanners. So far, Nick, how's this comparing to the recorded versions that you sit and watch? No, didn't think so. Right, okay, good. So I think I'm safe. I'm safe. Okay, good. So why don't we get on with the show then? Let's see if this works. I have no idea if this is going to work or not. Okay, ready? Let's go for it. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Polite round of applause. Welcome to Mistake Apex Podcast. This episode is called Hell Hath No Fury Like a Manufacturer Scorned. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined live in the flesh by Brooklyn's own Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going great, you know, nothing like 36 straight hours up and immediately into karting and then a live show. So that's your driver excuse sorted, that yeah. flight. Yeah, done. Done right there. Are we going to talk about how I saw you crash in a straight or are we just going to gloss over that? Uh, I didn't crash in a straight. <laughs> 
I beg your pardon. I didn't even spin once. Not as far as these people know. I could have. Nice try, though. Yeah, it's out on the podcast now, so it's real. Uh, I'm also joined by autosport journalist Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. How's it going, Chris? It's going great. I mean, I can't believe how many people we've got here to actually just sit and watch us talk for an hour. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on the karting event later. How did your practice session go? I didn't have one because I'm poor. Oh, oh dear. Well, you're not going to do very well. Uh, who else? At the end, we've got our expert racy driver man, Bradley Philpot. How's it going, Brad? I'm only here for the karting. <laughs> you are so competitive. You are the most competitive human being I've ever met. Yep. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't um, come this week for two practices, having already driven many races at Potmore Park. So I'm, I'm saying to Brad, okay, so, you know, we're going to have a lot of people there. Uh, we've got like 50 people, 50 listeners. Make sure you're cordial. It's not all about winning. Uh, and all he's hearing is blah, 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 blah. Beep, 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 beep. Win, 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 win. Isn't it? So, yeah. So, uh, don't expect any polite conversation out Brad. He just wants to win. Uh, we are also joined by a live audience. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> so, we're going to get these guys to join in. We have a roving thunder beast. So, if you want to ask any questions, uh, get his attention and he'll give a microphone to you. We've also got with us the tech man from Birmingham, Summers F1. Yep, yeah, see. <laughs> they gave themselves more applause. We've got Quizmaster of Terrible Quizzes, Chris Catman Turner, sat there. Oh, we've got Ryan Ferret Ferris. That's what he looks like with the light on. And we're also joined by expert driver star of LMP1, Alex Bundle, to teach us how to drive. <laughs> so, Matt, after yeah. podcasting for four years, I think, yeah, and about please. 300 shows, you've now met me live. Is it harder because of how distractingly handsome I am in real life? No, actually, I think the most distracting thing when it, cause, you know, we only see each other over a TV screen through a TV camera and that distorts the image. But really the most remarkable thing was that you're just exactly one spanner's high. I am exactly one yeah. spanner's high. That's true. <laughs> uh, also for you guys, this is the first time you've heard either me or Matt sober. So that, that's, that's the first. So speak for yourself. Let's, <laughs> let's see if, uh, sober, we can actually pronounce the driver name. So, uh, okay. right. Rick, Ricky Icciardo. Uh, Pinkham. Natalie Pinkham. Yeah, isn't it Pinkman? Uh, do you want to yeah. give, give Bottas? Isn't it Pinkman? Do you want to give Bottas oh, a try? Bottas. No. Yeah, no? Same. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait, let me try again. Boatass. No, Boatass. Boatass. No. And Leclerc. Okay. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our wives. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Uh, see, I didn't give you enough warning. Let's have a sting. It's going to sound dead pro in a minute. Hold on. Two seconds. Thank God for the edit. <laughs> no, this is okay. Good thing this isn't live. Oh. That's fine. Everyone stare at him while he's doing it. <laughs> That's fine. That can stay in. Um, okay, so we're going to be doing our... Okay, and now switch it back to the piano for the next one. Okay, okay it's, it's going fantastically well. Uh, so we're going to be doing our mid-season review. We're going to get Summers up here to talk some tech. We're going to get Alex up here to teach us about some driving styles uh, from the many series he's been in. But firstly, Brad, this is a karting event. We're here at Buckmore Park, and I have to say, they've looked after us fantastically. This is one of the most exciting go-kart tracks I've ever been to. Obviously, I'm not an experienced bloke, but that downhill section... I, I'm not afraid to say I'm genuinely frightened in the tight right-hander. Yeah, it's it's a really, really good kart track, isn't it? It's one of my absolute top tracks to drive in the country. And they've got very fresh carts here. And um, the carts are pretty quick. They're 390cc, which is, is the most powerful four-stroke rental cart you're going to drive. So it's a great track. And you're right, there are some scary, dangerous bits if you get them wrong. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't eaten for two weeks. 
And I, I, because of fear, like I stood on the scales two weeks ago and went, oh my God, the event's coming up soon. So I've dropped about three kilograms. How important is weight in karting in general? Is that three kilograms going to help me today? Um, it will, it will give you some tangible benefit. Um, there's probably more help that you could have got by practicing more. Um, but, <laughs> but you, but to be fair to you, you've done some, unlike some people on the panel. So, yeah. um, we can actually work out how much that's going to help you. Um, because our standard figure is every 10 kilos is going to give you three tenths of a second quicker lap on a 30 second lap. This is more like a 50 second lap. Yep. So, and what have you dropped? So say, just took, let's round up your three to five kilos. Okay. So on a, a standard track, that would have given you, you know, a tenth and a half. And around here, that's probably three tenths. So somewhere two-ish tenths or something like that, you've probably helped yourself out. And that could be the difference if we had any kind of qualifying today, which we don't. No. It could have been several positions on a grid. Um, and today, it might just make the difference of you managing to hang on to the cart in front to be able to make a pass at some point on the lap. So, you know, it might have genuinely helped. Ah, good. Who else hasn't been <laughs> eating enough for the past couple of weeks? I've probably eaten more. I've probably put on weight. And I am weirdly proud of that. So you so, were a lost cause to begin with. So is he, is he hoping for rain? So we often have people saying, if it, if it rains, that's going to help me out. Because if you're heavier in the rain, you get more grip. No. So it's good to be That's just something we say to the heavy people to make them feel better. So they, <laughs> so they shut up bang on. No, so, so the answer... And I just spun constantly. So no, no, that, no rain. That thing. definitely wasn't weight related. Um, oh, so I yeah. <laughs> so the, the weight thing, you hear, this, you hear this spoken about a lot. And, and really, the way to think of it is, being heavier when it's slippery will help you out right up until the point where the wheel stops spinning. Um, and from that point onwards, you want to be light again. And so then it is a disadvantage again. So in the moments where you're, you know, you want more traction, you do want some more weight over the, the wheels that are spinning. But that's not normally for very long, particularly in rental cars that aren't that powerful. Um, and it's, you're not going to be spinning any wheels today in the dry. So I think the, the best way you've ever put it to me is you said to me, you never see anyone adding weight yeah. ever. Yeah, I've never seen anyone get in, into a wet race and go, oh, yeah, let me get up the lead. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. So, so, for, so, so later on, look around you, look at the skinny people. They're probably, oh, God, I hate you skinny people. Right, okay. Tell you what, why don't we talk about some news? Big dirty news. <laughs> so... The big dirty news, we were going to do a mid-season review, but then Daniel Ricciardo just decided to lick a stamp and sign it, uh, and he has gone and signed for Renault, just completely out of the blue. Now, Miss Apex Podcast understands that. Uh, <laughs> the, the Red Bull guys themselves didn't know about it until, yes, until the day before yesterday. So Christian Horner literally found out two days ago. We found out yesterday. And, and that has got to be just a sick gut punch, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's interesting because it wasn't really something we were expecting. There's been all this talk about the the new Red Bull deal was going to come before Spa or, or something. There were all these sort of quotes that we assumed were about a Red Bull deal, um, and it turns out that they're 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 not. Yeah, he sort of he sort of hinted, didn't he, saying, "Oh, you know what Lewis Hamilton did at Mercedes? No one thought Mercedes was going to do well." So he thinks he's going to emulate that. In a way, the the thing about Mercedes was that the the work for 2014 was already in motion when Lewis arrived, whereas Renault don't seem to have anything at, at the moment. I mean, we know we've got the regulation changes for next year with the simpler front wings. Maybe Renault think they've got something up their sleeve, and uh, they've shown that to Daniel, and that makes him think 
that they're going to be uh, closer to the front next year or certainly by the end of 2020. Um, I mean, there's no point only getting to the front by the end of 2020 because then we've got massive regulation changes for the year after. Phil Potts? So, yeah, so I've got a take on this. And that's, I think, Ricardo, for a start, he doesn't see the next couple of years that the Red Bull's going to be a brilliant... You know, the car itself is probably going to be great, but the Honda is almost certainly not going to be the class of the field. It's and a- he's got a teammate which is... You know, he's at best going to be kind of 50-50 in terms of finishing yeah. results with it's, Verstappen. It's a lack of faith in Honda, I think, is something that's quite crucial in the but, sort of next two years. But added to that, I think he sees that in a couple of years, Renault might be in a position. You know, they've all they've always won when they've come into Formula 1 before. So he doesn't want to be jumping into a Renault at a point where they're already doing really well because that seat might be taken. There might not be a vacancy there in two years when they've demonstrated that they're you know, one of the best teams. So, yeah, so and he can take the credit early, for making but, them one of the best teams as well. But Matt, yeah, can reach out and touch you. I know. This is amazing. It's um, creepy. Stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, right. So, but from a sort of personality point of view, Red Bull must be feeling sick. I mean, they, they did the Honda deal, yeah. which I think took Renault by surprise. Since then, Miss Apex understands that <laughs> Renault have delivered a, a severely underpowered and unreliable power unit, which sounds a little bit tit for tat. Yeah, they've they've stolen their star driver, their star man, their race winner. They've kicked out the Toro Rosso junior driver. I mean, like this is—it's all out war. It really is. Yeah, well, but we've seen this pattern. We saw it at Toro Rosso last year with Renault and the problems with the spares and the FIA actually having to, you know, kind of get involved in the periphery. But I think the interesting thing for Ricciardo per se is that he's looking at, as, as you already said, he's looking at being on a team that's not going to give him a world championship in the next couple of years. So he might as well go to a team where he's going to have better chemistry with his teammate and make lots of money and be happy. And Renault, when they have been proper manufacturers and really brought it to the table, have been very, very, very successful. So I think it's actually kind of a good bet for And, you know, the Renault management will do anything for you if you need a safety car or... Yeah. M&M's in your room, you know, they'll, they'll help you out. They're just good guys. Uh, Tony, Thunderbeast Barnard. It's all right to use your real name, isn't it? How's the live chat doing you're looking after? Evangelos says that panel looks like an F1 Comic-Con. <laughs> Joshua Geek says this looks a lot like a press conference. And uh, well done, Baku. <laughs> Look, podcast groupies. Um, going with the conversation we were just having there. Uh, Artemi X, uh, Daniel is just sure that Red Bull is not going to let him win a championship, even if the car will be championship winning. And he's only as fast as Max and not faster. I've just been told to stand up, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think they're saying move the microphone closer I've to your mouth, few, but um, you've elevated your whole body and the mouth, <laughs> the mouth to microphone ratio hasn't Can I changed. Lean? Is that alright? <laughs> and, uh, he's only as fast as Max and not faster in brackets, even though much more reliable, so he took a tiny chance over zero chance. Okay, uh, hey, let's get an opinion here from uh, Mr. Brundle. Uh, who's faster, Max or Daniel? <laughs> Put you on the spot. Oh, okay, it's, it's good to get involved with the show. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, staff is quicker over one lap, isn't he? I think, yeah. But the kid's a bit of a nutter, so you can... <laughs> so, you know, you could sort of chance it over a season, couldn't you? But it's, it's not no chance, is it, of beating him? Because every so often he'll just do something a bit mental. Surely it? Verstappen's not going to just keep continually crashing forever. Exactly. And he'll grow up. And I think, um, you know, if Ricardo feels that he's never going to be the lead driver, I guess, lead driver position when the manufacturer is 
a better option a la Lewis Hamilton and he obviously reckons that the money's behind Renault to to take them to the to take them to the top and uh, compete with Mercedes eventually. And even if he was given equal status officially at Red Bull, if he's not getting equal money, then he's not going to feel like he's number one equal, is he? Those guys are all picked up when they're kids, right? And taken all the way through the Red Bull process. So they'll have a precedent on the financial side as well that runs all the way back through to when they were doing you know, F3 and everything like that. So it's kind of like, it's so similar to Hamilton's situation where you break free of the young driver stuff and then move to the big manufacturer. Do you think it's interesting uh, that now we've seen both signs <laughs> and now Ricciardo leave Verstappen's orbit? Do you think that just says something about the difficulty perhaps of working with him? Celestial kind of way to look at it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> leave Verstappen's orbit. Um, sorry, what was the question? I got I got caught up in well, your... We've seen two... <laughs> we've seen now with, with Ricciardo departing two fairly good drivers yeah. basically leaving Red Bull yeah. and Max still being there. Definitely. Well, so Max, obviously, is... I can imagine he'd be a pretty difficult teammate to be across the garage with because he's sort of hard line, isn't he? And never really apologises for anything. I know Carlos didn't get on too well with him, which is what's potentially holding him back from that seat. And the dads, apparently, as well. Yeah, well, well you yeah. can tell that... I mean, God, I, mean, I know that story on that one. But you can... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that, yeah, that would be a, a pretty tricky garage to be in but there are no easy garages to be in in Formula 1 you know can you imagine you know sharing with Raikkonen it would be or, or any of these guys yeah, but again, ferocious you know, animals Raikkonen he'll do anything for you won't he if you, you need a pit stop you need a barrier you need an ice cream he'll, yeah he'll chuck, he'll chuck it in for you um, let's just hear from our terrible quiz master Chris Catman Turner did you have a comment mate yeah, I was just going to say that um, every time... So, Renault have left the sport quite a few times and come back in. Every single time that they've come back in, they've won the World Championship eventually. So... Is that going to be a quiz question? Do I need to remember uh, that? Is that there, there is a live quiz coming in, so make sure you tune out for that. Uh, Chris? It's, it's, a, it's a good point that Catman uh, brings up, and one I was going to bring up sort of earlier, which is, you know, we've got to remember that Renault are really only in their second season back properly in F1 if they, when they came back in 2016 that was effectively just a year old car with, that was painted in yellow and wasn't really yet Renault's work and so they're basically two years down the development line and now they've got a bit of extra cash I think it's something like somewhere in the region of five mil since they quit Formula E to put into the Formula One program so that extra resource is going, just going to go into the five development million. So, that'll pay for like the yeah. cokes well that yeah <laughs> <laughs> it can't, it can't serious step up. but when we're but when we're dealing with a team that has admitted that it has a third of the the resource and the infrastructure of a team like mercedes or ferrari that's going to make a big difference it's interesting though isn't it because renault it's not like renault as a firm worldwide they have the money to put into it but they don't want to just do what mercedes do which is power through and have a thousand engineers working on 18 different problems yeah, well, they they are not the same size, and they are more complicated because of their partnership with Nissan than than Mercedes is. Mercedes has sort of the corporate; they are corporate behemoth. Renault is big, but they, I'm, I, I know they're not. They don't play on the same field, I believe, as Mercedes. Why don't we? We've got an informed F1 audience in front of us. Why don't we get their opinion? So, firstly, uh, hands up. Who thinks? Daniel Ricciardo has made the right decision to move to Renault. Show of hands. Oh, that's... Oh, I know. Quite a few. Oh, it's, it's probably two... Th- it's most, actually, isn't it? Right, because personally, 
I, I don't think it's the right move. I think, I think Red Bull know what they're doing. And I think that Honda is finally going to come slightly good. You disagree with me, Chris? No, I, 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 don't, I honestly don't know what to think about next year because where Red Bull will be will entirely depend on what Honda do. Yeah. And oh, yeah. You've definitely. got to yeah. assume that Renault have got something good in the works to entice someone like Daniel, of, you know, someone of Daniel's caliber to join the team. So it's sort of six of one, <laughs> half dozen of the other. Money. Of, I think the audience money. Money. That's what the extra money. five mils for, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to pay Daniel. You can imagine him in an interview saying, so what's attracted you to Renault? Well, you know, you know, I like the yellow suits. They've got a plan. They've given me lots of money, and I, I like lots of money. You can just imagine him admitting I, to that, that, can you? So, the working environment, I think, is going to be something quite big as well. Because, I mean, we've alluded to Max potentially being a difficult yeah. uh, teammate. I, he probably feels the team is a bit Max-oriented. I, I think that's one of the key things. Yeah. I think a couple of years against Hulkenberg, who's pretty well regarded, but Ricardo will back himself to beat him. Okay, that, years, that's my next good... question for the audience, actually. Okay. Who thinks that Daniel Ricardo will beat Hulkenberg in a straight fight next season? Everyone. Every, <laughs> yeah. I think everyone's, yeah, everyone's but in agreement with that. But I think being teammates with Ricardo will not hurt Hulkenberg in any way. Because I think he'll, he, he'll either be very, very close to him or beat him on uh, you know, the right occasion. I think that that should be quite closely matched, but it'll finally be a really good way of, of working out just how good Nico Hulkenberg is. Cause we all, we always talk about yeah, him as somebody yeah. who deserves a good car, but he's never really had a teammate that has properly, properly, uh, pushed him, uh, and that we know they how good they are. Perez! So. Yeah, but really, but, oh, this really is... yeah, but that was a bad time. I don't. I can't believe you're wrong in real life as well. I thought it was. No, just... it was... <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was just a Skype no, artifact. W- would you put Perez on the same level as Daniel Ricciardo? Yes. No. Real. Real. Oh. Wow. Oh. All right. Who would put Perez on the same level as Daniel Ricciardo? Anyone? What? Look at that. Who's <laughs> who's wrong in real life now? <laughs> but I was first. Okay. Hey. <laughs> All right then. So look, I'm. I've been obviously talking to Matt on Skype a lot. Uh, let's test if that lag that we have on the live stream is really Skype or if it's in real life. Okay then. So where does that leave signs? Science. It's real. Steady. It's a real life lag. It's not. <laughs> Apologies to Microsoft. Right, sorry. No. Uh, signs, by all accounts, might be headed to McLaren. Oh, this is brilliant, isn't it? Everything is shuffling like yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. If, if I was Red Bull, oh. I don't think I'd race Ricardo for the rest of the summer. If he really has taken them by surprise like that. To their deadly rivals. Ricardo has done the equivalent of dating your wife while you're still living with her, getting divorced. That, or, that's what that feels or like. Or Red Bull has done the equivalent to him. Maybe. I mean, maybe basically they said, oh, uh, we've met this new person and we like them better than you. And he, I, I think it's interesting. Honda could come good with Red Bull. I don't, I see it as being a possibility, but I feel like they have a bigger problem, which is where they're going to find another driver as good as him to partner with Max and pick up those points that they need. I think they're, they they might have put themselves up against the wall a little bit, especially uh, chasing the Constructors' Championship when Honda finally gets his act together. See, see Chris, I think, I think Vettel might have something of the Vettels about him, where actually he doesn't want a quick teammate. So basically, he'll be getting Massa out of retirement. You mean Verstappen? Verstappen, yeah. sorry, what yeah, did okay. I say? Yeah. Vettel. Vettel. Vettel's so got so the I said Vettels. Vettel's got some of the Vettels about yeah. him. Yes. I did, I did this said. last week. <laughs> when, when we were explaining, I was talking about the pit stops with Raikkonen, Bottas yeah. and everything. And then Brad sends me a text going, everyone's Bottas. Why is everyone Bottas? I had just said <laughs> Bottas for everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It happens. So, go on, on Yeah, on the side seat. I mean, by all uh, rights, science should be the one getting that seat. He was on loan to Renault by Red Bull with the promise that, you know, if a seat comes up, you'll be the one to get it. 
but suddenly, well, it, it, since then, Nico Hulkenberg's rather spanked him a little bit at Renault. And also Pierre Gasly's come along and has done a really, really great job in the Toro Rosso. He's impressed really well. And he's got good knowledge of that power unit now, which I think will be quite crucial uh, for their first season with, with Red Bull. And that will come in handy. So I think it's going to be Gasly who ends up getting that seat. And Sainz will either end up at McLaren or shafted. He's out in the out cold, isn't he? Potentially. He is a little bit, yeah, because... Cat, Chris, you, hang on, uh, Catman's, uh, just, what, what do you reckon? Oh, Why are you shaking your heads? Well, I, I think he probably he will get this seat, but unfortunately, the only thing he's managed to do is beat Brendan Hartley. So I'm not entirely convinced that he's got all the right stuff so far. I'm not, he's, he's been very good in certain races, but I've not seen that wow factor just yet. The, the thing, it, Toro Rosso's had a very up and down season and they don't quite get it right all the time. And you can tell when they've got it right. And when in they those races. a powerful engine. Yeah, right. basically. I mean, you look at what he did in uh, Hungary in the, the qualifying there. You know, that was uh, a really imp- very impressive race as well. You know, he wasn't a lap down by the end of the race, which in today's Formula One, where there is nearly two seconds between the top three teams and the rest of the field is is quite impressive and there, it's not like you know there was no oh this is killing me I haven't got control of his fader not in the shed yeah. I can just whack him off right um, oh, no. anyway just whack him off in the yeah. shed yeah, yeah. <laughs> this show is safe for work <laughs> play this with kids in the background if you notice we've dropped the safe for work alright just ah, to take the pressure off recently, we yeah. will try to be safe for work so if we're going to talk about the driver's market I do want the live stream's opinion yeah. first. Can we do oh, that? Oh, yeah, go right ahead, by all means. Uh, da, 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 excuse me, I'm lost. I wasn't ready for that. All right, Corey Garton. Correct decision for DR. Ripple Racing will not give him the backing he deserves. Uh, Sujith Nara. Also, a helmet marker is not in DR's camp, so I'm sure that was uh-huh. culpable and not comfortable. Uh, Rob Standen. Science is the biggest loser in this situation. Agree. Yeah. Trevor. I, I'm sure he means that in a way of like losing out on a seat. <laughs> yeah. Not just you personally, Carlos, are yeah. a massive loser. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor WL1 signs to Haas. Uh, oh, that's an interesting yeah. one that I have not heard because I think everybody's about linked to that Haas seat at the moment. There's about five or six drivers who could end up in that, in that car. Uh, let's hear from Daniel, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You've got the best chat room name, which is EMH12122, which is amazing. Memorable. Uh-uh. I'm just wondering whether this whole sort of silly season kickoff uh, may actually end up indirectly helping save Brendan Hartley's career. Um, presuming yep. that Gasly gets promoted, now the Toro Russell may have to fill two extra seats. Well, let's so, hear from Alex Brundle uh, okay. to chime in on that. So I don't like the whole. I don't like the whole save his career because <laughs> you know it's it, there. There are there are races that happen other than F1. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> explain in detail. Please Sometimes. explain how Brendan Hartley is a world champion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of everybody always. Sorry to completely swerve the point, by the way, into my own <laughs> personal <laughs> agenda. Just <laughs> wet by you it. can do it directly into a camera yeah, if you exactly. like. Just yeah, stare yeah. directly down the lens. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you guys. I've got something to tell you. Um, but the, 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 their career, do, you, their career does creepy. continue. <laughs> D- despite not being in a single seater. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I know. I, I, I think that's. <laughs> you, you oh, why would you possibly be You were sat in exactly that. the wrong place to make yeah. that particular yeah. comment <laughs> just behind Alex Bundle. Uh, okay. Save his F1 career. In the bracket. Okay. Yeah, the thing with, but he's, um, like, everyone's only gonna remember this, this short-lived, potentially F1 career rather than the amazing career as a racing driver he's had so far. 
Uh, and people will only remember the F1 career, which uh, I think is quite sad. Well, for if they're only F1 fans. Yeah, but most people are only F1. Like, I know there's a big motorsporting fan. You know, there and are, let's there are not a lot forget of like that us. he also raced in the Cambridge round of the British Rental Car Championship. <laughs> I hear that's a very poorly run event. Can I answer the question from Daniel though? Yeah. Which was yeah. that um, if it might save his career. I, this is the sort of second time in a short period of time that the Red Bull Young Driver program has been quite exposed because when they they kicked out uh, Daniel and they ended up you know having to put Gasly and Hartley in the cut like. They put somebody in the car that they kicked off the program six or seven years before that. That showed a massive flaw in the system. And right now, they've got nobody in the program that's ready to replace uh, either either Gasly or Hartley. There's all this talk about Dan Tickton, but he's not going to be able to get enough points to get the super license. Two words, Lando Norris. See, this is the thing. They already made a sort of vie for him, didn't they? But why on earth would McLaren... What sort of price range... Are, James are they gonna, Key. James Key. Exactly. You're welcome. Not no, only but, Norris, but Summers and I were having an extensive six-hour chat about the lateral <laughs> tire stress last night. I just and, wish and you wouldn't subject, record it. That's the yeah, that's well, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it did come up, and and they now have a lot of leverage, and it may not just be mm. Norris. If we're talking about signs going to his uh, fulfill his bromance partner Alonso at McLaren, you could also potentially see Van Dorn and Norris at Toro Rosso next year. Kibitza oh, won't get a race seat. Kibitza is 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 uh, is is, is in for all to stroll as a test I, driver. I yeah. heard that yeah. Kibitza was going to be Stroll's teammate because when it's going to be for Stroll, yeah, he actually gets on with Kibitza really well, and it's they've mm. almost developed into a bit of a pro am relationship where the um, the professional driver <laughs> where, where the professional driver latches onto a well. Where, where a professional driver latches onto a wealthy amateur and then takes them to a different team. That's and I'm, I'm being serious. So, are they going to give up uh, Perez and his money, though? <laughs> Didn't know what you got yourself into, did you? <laughs> Should have listened to the show. I love it. So I've just got I guess... images of Bob Barker turning up for Williams next time. <laughs> would they give up Perez's money as well? Though? Because I don't get the feeling that if Perez money... would be happy to stay on as like a test driver just for them to keep their money, whereas Kubica probably would stay as a test driver and they get to keep his money. I think it, it depends how much um, Mr. Stroll opens his, his wallet. That's but... a good point, yeah. I mean, his his money could buy the sport, let alone that team. So it's yeah, yeah. it's a case of how much he's willing to to fund them. But. It's amazing. This is all shuffling around, and it's all kicking off now. Thank you so much for the content, Daniel Cardo. This is you know, it's amazing. Have you got any other connotations well, that shuffle down the field? Well, because uh, if the the Force Indians are going to end up with you know strolling, that leaves Esteban Ocon sort of out of the the water a little bit, and he might end up having to settle for a Williams drive, which is 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 not great news because he should be moving up not backwards down the grid because he's a, a very talented racing driver. Yeah, but Williams have the smartest dressed engineers, so surely uh, that's got to count for something, uh, hasn't it? Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think who else might end up being George um, Russell, out. George, yeah, George, George Russell, Russell yeah, Williams, because yeah. yeah, it depends. You, know, you can't imagine that uh, Williams are going to keep Sorokin on. Um, so they might take a punt on on Russell maybe and partner him with Ocon. And finally, how yeah, how about well, Esteban Ocon having the rug pulled from under him? He was like all happily thinking yeah. he was on his way to Endstone, and then suddenly there's a, an Australian and in his seat. That would have right. been really uh, great, Chris. For him. Chris, we're going to move on for timing, and we're going to okay. have a look at the mid-season championship with another great sting from Salman Ash. Okay, let's have another go at the correct volume. Now I gave you, <laughs> I gave you three buttons to press. Uh, yeah. 
No, no, the whole bumper. <laughs> Thank you for your help. I really appreciate it. Uh, right, <laughs> so, uh, look, the, the main battle this season is Ferrari versus Hamilton. Essentially, sorry. What did I say? Ferrari <laughs> versus Hamilton. Yeah. I've done a, what do you call it? A Freudian slip. Yes. Yes, okay. So it is Vettel versus Hamilton, really, isn't it? Are there any Ferrari fans at all here? One, two, oh, God, how Three can you people. do it? Three percent of the Missed yeah. Apex audience. This is, is why. Ferrari. This is why I feel comfortable saying this. Like how how does it feel supporting Ferrari? It's like supporting the Death Star. Like <laughs> literally, Vettel was on the light side. He was bubbly with Red Bull, wasn't he? And then he, he was like, you know, you know, come over, come over. And now he's all like Darth Vader. It, it has one very key weakness that you only have to fire a very small bullet into a small <laughs> hole to destroy it. You failed me for the last time, Ariba Vene. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, my son, you were there, weren't you, Nick? Uh, my son, he turned around to me and said, Daddy, do, do Ferrari fans love their children? <laughs> I said, no, son. Not like we do. Not, not like we do. Uh, but, okay, so uh, how do we think that battle's going, Chris? Um, it's, it's on paper, until the last two races, it, it was neck and neck. Yeah, it really was. Um I- I feel like there are kind of three points to this uh, about this championship because they've been so evenly matched. You kind of have to break it down to the car, the team, and, and the driver. And of the, the latter of those three points, you'd, you'd say that Lewis has been doing the better job. Um, because I would argue that the car is not as good across the season as the Ferrari. And yet he is the one leading the championship by quite some margin. I'm looking to Summers because he's going I... to tell us for sure later. Uh, oh, I don't want to say anything yeah. stupid. <laughs> Um, in terms of the tip, I, I feel like Seb has let his team down more than the team has let him down and the, the team has let Lewis down more than Lewis has let him down. Or maybe the car has let him down. Actually, no, both because they've had like some dodgy strategy calls and the car hasn't been quite as good. So I'm in full agreement with Chris on something. Yeah. yeah I'm just going to, I'm going to stop you there so we can get a coherent sentence, but yeah, no, I, I actually really agree with what Chris was saying. I think Vettel has thrown away points and. And Hamilton has has managed to stay in the fight despite the team or the car throwing away points for him. Yeah. So um. So yeah. And in terms of the pace of the two cars relative, I'm also very interested to hear what Summer says. But I've seen um figures from the the super times where they where they analyse the fastest lap of the weekend, um, where they're so close. You know, a fraction of a percent um, difference in in ultimate pace. It has swung sort of from race to race massively though, because you look at Silverstone where the top three were split by a tenth of a second. And then suddenly we go to Germany and Ferrari have got half second just on the straights. Trumpets, let's hear from you because you sound like you're from the telly. Yeah, like, I honestly, <laughs> yeah. that is the best reason to have an American on. As soon as you start talking, people pay, oh, the telly's on. Like, like, yeah, I, 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 lo- I love Instant being, authority, yeah, just, I love it. Go just, on. just being able to say words and people love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't actually have to come up with anything. I just have to say words out of my mouth and it's all good. No, I, I think that if we, depending upon what happens with the season, you're going to look back at the last two races, and that could be very well where Ferrari gave up their biggest advantage over Mercedes. One with Vettel taking himself out, and then, and then with the with the strategy that that ultimately happened, and 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 Hungary, because I don't believe they had the optimal strategy for Vettel to to win the race, and and. They had the biggest car advantage. If you look at the Friday practice, if you look at the dry times, they had the biggest advantage, and they managed to come away losing points to Mercedes. Now, hang on a minute, Matt. Yeah. You told me you had a system 
on a Friday of basically predicting who is going to win the race based on Friday practice. That's not true at all. That's exactly what you said. You that said, I have magic not... predictive powers no. from Friday practice, and I can no. tell it's going to be... What, what do you no. look for? Because I watch Friday practice, and I right. just see racing cars going round and round. Yes. What, what is it you're looking for on a Friday? Well, you look... Uh, what you do is you look at the lap times, and you look specifically uh, on Friday, you look at the lap times where they run, uh, you know, 10, 12, 15 laps in a row, on old tires, and you look at, you sort of look for their average pace. So you have to look out for laps that they encounter traffic, or they're purposely told to slow down. Sorry, I switched off off the tires. Yeah. Did you? Is yeah. this now a tire chat? No, no, right, not okay. at all. Not at all. And and then what you do is you sort of look at what you would consider their average race pace. So you you say how fast can they go around the track on average, and you you can figure that out. You can get an idea of the order, if right. not specific numbers. Well, let me know before I put my bets on. Um, oh, yeah. oh God, forgetting yeah. my wife is here. Right. <laughs> before I put my fake bets on with pretend money. Tony, what's the chat room saying there? Ferrari fans, it's just the screen filled up with grazie ragazzi, grazie. <laughs> <laughs> Adrenaline. <laughs> so, so um, I mean, Hamilton gets a bit, a lot of grief for his, you know, like being very emotional and reacting to things. Vettel, in German or in Italian, I think, after the Silverstone Grand Prix, I'm told, I didn't translate it myself, was basically screaming in their backyard, in their backyard. Wow. Imagine the grief Lewis Hamilton would have got in Germany if he was saying that. We got a comment from Felix. What's up, buddy? Where you're putting your hand up and looking at me and waving. I, so, I was really afraid that the uh, live stream was uh, down, but no, it's actually working. <laughs> uh, Felix Bowen, our webmaster, everyone. There we go. Thank you very much. You made the show. <laughs> He's the one that makes everything look pretty. Uh, he came up with the logo up here. Basically, any time I want to do anything with my website, Felix, can I add this? He goes, ugh, that's disgusting. Make it look like Ikea, because he's from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, then. Uh, so, got Tony? Someone... Who's, who's putting these comments in? Is it, is it you, Felix? Right, Felix put right. Let's have a poll. Hashtag Team Chris versus hashtag Team Anti Chris. Which <laughs> <laughs> is one T away from a totally different hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the, wait, what's the, what's the result so far? Miraculously, Team Chris, Team Chris, Team Chris, Chris, Team Chris, Team Chris, Team Chris, Team Chris. They've missed I don't believe hands. this. Oh, have you, oh, have you got all your mates or your, is it <laughs> I have. Your family are on the live stream. They have uh, no idea that I really do this a lot. So. Uh, okay. Okay. Then let's go to our live audience then. Who's going to win the championship? Vettel? Yeah. Uh, you. Just one. Just one. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Lewis Hamilton then, presumably everybody else. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it's, it's I, I personally believe. Go on, do, what, does that come down to whether Ferrari and Sebastian, well, more Sebastian gets his act together or whether Mercedes get their act together and properly start, you know, letting go okay, So the way the I see it at the moment is that for, the Mercedes have the package with the overall best potential and that will be the case going through the season. Can't wait for someone to tell me how wrong I am. Uh, <laughs> but it could come down to the number twos because this is, I think, the yeah. first time we've seen a battle between two front running teams where they're both willing to put their number twos on the line. Because I think Mercedes, that was a big Freudian slip from Toto. They've definitely put all their eggs in the Hamilton basket. They're just a bit less blatant about it. But I would love to see like we were talking about um, uh, doing an event where we have our wives in a go-kart. Um, it's a team event. And the winner is not us. The winner is who can like block everybody else to get their wife to the finish line. I think that would be quite quite a fun karting event. Um, and it gives me an, a, a chance to beat Brad. But uh, anyway. Becca's very competitive. That would be a good fight. <laughs> so this is going to be the first time I think we see 
two top teams actually deploying their number twos, and I think they've got to stop pretending at some point. Mercedes have got to drop the act and go, yes, we're using Bottas to help Hamilton win. I don't think that they are necessarily. Oh, they've got to, though. Ferrari are doing I, it. No, because yeah. Mercedes wants the Constructors' Championship. And I think the best thing about this season is how close it is between the top two manufacturers. That's going to be the real story. I, does anyone care who wins the Manufacturers' Championship from a viewer point of view, from a paying audience point of view? No, but the manufacturers care who wins the, it matters who wins the Constructors' Daniel, Championship. Daniel, Daniel, gone. So it's not all just about the individuals, it's about the teams as well. So if, if they, you know, like us, um, there's only what the, the rare three, um, Ferrari fans in this entire group. We've got to have something. <laughs> Evil to cling Ferrari on fans. To. You forgot. You left oh, that out. Sorry. Ferrari, yeah, yeah. We've got to have something to cling on to, even if our man doesn't get it. Okay. What? Put it this way. I can't call More to the point, the people who write the checks for the teams care who wins the construction. Exactly. It's where the money comes. Fair from. enough. But when we were covering Formula E, there was a championship rundown uh, with the final round at Battersea, uh, where Lucas Degrassi was fighting with uh, Sebastian. Sebastian right. But do you remember two races previously? Um, uh, forgetting the apt, who's Daniel Apt, yep. yeah. was, was, was second or third. He wanted the podium and he didn't let Lucas Degrassi pass him for the sake of the championship. Had yeah. he let him pass, Degrassi would have won the championship. Yeah. And on the final day when we were at Battersea, instead of the Renault boys celebrating, it would have been his teammates celebrating. Surely Bottas wants to see the Mercedes guys cheering Lewis Hamilton at the end and not the Ferrari guys cheering on Sebastian Vettel. I feel like that was yeah. fancy enough for a round of applause or something. It felt no, like it was applaud, going there. Don't applaud that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was no. like... <laughs> Look, the, 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 the crucial thing about that one, though, was that Daniel did actually try and let Lucas buy, and Lucas kind of refused, ah, which was the, right, like okay. just... Well, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It was can the I, wrong decision. Can Brand I add a driver's perspective on that thing? Because it might not be the answer that you expect. Go on. Uh, I think a driver will publicly say that, yeah, I'd, I'd rather my teammate won than the guy from the other team won. I think privately they'd rather the guy from the other team won because it makes them look less bad. It doesn't look as bad if there was someone from a different team who actually took the overall win because oh, you couldn't, your car wasn't capable of it anyway. So of course that has almost nothing to do with whether or not Mercedes is calculatedly sacrificing Bottas' finishing position in order to aid Hamilton, which I don't really believe they, they have done yet. Fair enough. Okay, let's get more of a driver's perspective. Let's do what you and I have been wanting to do since the beginning right. and get rid of Chris from the panel. Uh, and uh, <laughs> just temporarily, so uh, we can bring up Alex to come and talk to Bradley about some driving stuff. Uh, Alex Brando, everyone. LMP1. <laughs> this is very unusual for me because I'm never an interviewer, so I'm going to do my very best to... That's fine, I'll carry you. Good. I need, I'm going to need it. So, so welcome, Alex. So for those of you who don't know, um, I've known Alex for quite a long time. We've worked together, or we used to work together in our formative years, when Alex was actually already a very experienced race driver, and I, I definitely wasn't. Um, and so basically, at the moment, you're racing LMP1 mm-hmm. um, for Manor? Manor, yeah, uh, a, well remembered. Yeah. In a Janetta. In a Janetta. And so just for the time being, what's the next race? What have you got coming up soon? Well, we were supposed to have Silverstone, but then we have a bit of an issue with engines. Okay. So we'll, we're doing the full WEC, so we'll end up in, uh, we'll end up in Fuji next, okay. which is a fair, is a fair period into the future, but we're testing next week. So, so right now you're racing in something extremely fast, mm-hmm. but in the past you've raced various other cars. Like yeah. A, some, a lot of different types. So perilously slow stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to just try and run through what, what I think you've driven and I'd like you to fill in 
the gaps of any additional cars you might have driven, and then we'll just delve into how some of them are different to drive from, okay. from others. I'll try and remember my own career without notes. Okay, so I, I assume you've done some karting. Did you do that before T-Cars? Yeah, nothing at Buckmore Park, though. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that a lie? <laughs> <laughs> it's on. So yeah, I did. Yeah, I did a bit of karting before Tico. Well, it's hard to jump back, isn't it, from from cars to cars? But you still do some karting nowadays. Yeah, I know the occasional. I was at, I was at Wilton Mill the other day getting some bruises. It was fine. Brad, okay. are you using this as an opportunity to scope out Alex for the karting later? <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked for subconsciously. <laughs> exactly how many days, hours, and minutes have you done? You know? um, <laughs> okay, so so for everyone here, what's a T car? Because that's something that, that stopped a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly after I did it, actually, yeah, the, they were kind of tubular frame, uh, Mountune two-liter touring cars that, yeah, didn't keep their bodywork on very well. And you could drive them from a very young age. How yeah. how old well, were you when you drove them? Yeah, I mean, I I could never really drive them, but they they could be driven from a from a young age. Yeah, around fourteen. Yeah, fourteen years old. Yeah, yeah, you could start doing that kind of thing. It was that or Janetta Juniors really was kind of the path you went along. At okay. that age. Yeah. And and from that, you then went into single-seaters. Single-seaters. Um, Formula Palmer Audi. Yeah, Palmer an, Audi. Another with... defunct series now, but it, it was very popular in its heyday. With Alex, the... are you cursed? All the series you go into <laughs> get cancelled. Just slowly sinking motorsport <laughs> championships <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> yeah, did that. That finished. Then did Formula 2 and that, that, that finished. Then I'm just going to drag British you back. Just, just briefly, the Formula Palmer <laughs> Audi, how does that? How was that different to drive to the T-car? Uh, kind of a lot more power. I actually remember going along the back straight at Snet with my mouth wide open. You were in that race, actually, I think. I, I was going to mention, I've got in brackets here, we had one race weekend together. Um, <laughs> Who won? Uh, well, Alex didn't finish uh, one or two of the races, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember seeing you in the barrier down the main street. Yeah, what did I do? Oh, I think someone tried to go around the outside of me. And I, yeah, I had problems with that when I was a kid. Big, you... big problems. Well, it was a problem. It was a problem for both of us because we both ended up. I, I was at the opposite end of the grid in that particular race to you. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So from the primary, that's big slicks, you know, big fat slicks, big not fat a lot slicks. of aero. So you've gone from go-karts, obviously slicks, but no aero at yeah. all. T-cars. And turbo power. So you had to do the old. So the T-car was, was normally aspirated. Normally aspirated to turbo, which so is a big deal. We've already got some pretty different types of things, different things uh, to drive, even from your first two of quite a long list of cars. So yeah. Would you say, before we carry on onto the faster stuff, have these things begun to shape the way you drive a car? Oh, definitely. I mean, for example, the turbo stuff we were just talking about, when you move from a turbo car to a naturally aspirated, there's a, don't, like, try and stay, just like, oh, wait, we can get your coffee or something, but we, the, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> Did I just get burned? <laughs> the, the turbo stuff, you need to put, you bring in the power underneath the turbo and the naturally aspirated power and then you wait for ages and then you bring in the turbo so when you move back to a naturally aspirated car that's really hard to say under pressure um you you jump back in and then you put imagine i what i call imaginary turbos in all of the throttle traces which you have to get rid of slowly for example when i jumped back into british f3 i was putting step changes in all my throttle pickups okay so that was that was the next thing then so from formula palmer and you had Good, yeah, pretty good success in, in FPA. Did you yeah. win some races? Yeah, yeah, podiums. For the and I, I ended up sixth or something, I think. It, loads of podiums and some poles, and then it was just sort of downhill from there. So then British Formula 3, and yeah. we're talking... <laughs> when I, we talk about... Brad, let me just step that up, because obviously we're not as educated as you. So we're, we're basically going from things I haven't heard of to things I've now sort of heard of. So, yeah. so now we're now getting into the point where yeah. you're in and amongst the guys who are all vying to go into Formula yeah. 1. Yeah, yeah. Out, still outside Formula One though, yeah. so it's you know in that 
So, so does it go, right, for the really stupid, right, okay, so Formula One, yeah. Formula, we're going to go for two next? That's, yeah, that's it, is numbers, now, it is now, in fact, work. it is now, in fact, Formula Two. Yeah. Formula Two, Formula Three, and then there are more regional versions of those championships. Is that right? So, like, the British Formula Three. Yeah, so yeah. you've got Brit F3, but then it's kind of that area of motorsport, which is a real mess, because you're still at the pace of the pyramid, where there are so many drivers that can actually kind of, by hook or by crook, afford to do that, so it's a yeah. massive marketplace. So every so often, some big motorsport entity will just fire a championship into the marketplace, like British F4, then MSA F4, and then they'll take British F3 and bin it off and make new cars, or European F3. So there's a an amount of money then in the marketplace from these young drivers, their mums, yeah. their dads, their sponsors, that yeah. everyone's just trying to scoop. Now, I was going to ask, because it's kind of, the- it is it is very parent-driven at that point, and as somebody who has taken their three-year-old to a go-kart track and just watched him because he wasn't big enough to turn the wheel relentlessly crash over and over again and uh-oh my wife's looking at me uh, into the same and i'm like no turn more you gotta uh, you gotta believe he's not listening is he you gotta believe <laughs> <laughs> so um but what i mean is it's very pushy parents i'm just interested in what that atmosphere is like because you must be what 14 15 at that yeah. sort of time it's um so dads learn to be racing dads while kids learn to be racing drivers and it kind of you kind of meet in the middle in a kind of majestic arc is it is it like football is there a lot of yelling oh the, yeah yeah I don't, yeah. I, yeah more kind of there was there was some funny stuff that happened you know other dads coming up to you and telling you that you shouldn't have hit their kid or <laughs> or some some stuff like that but you're you know you're such a little adrenaline fueled eight-year-old at the time you just don't really care yeah and you kind of have to move through that system but to be honest it doesn't get any doesn't get any better it's just the money gets more, but then occasionally people still shout at you for hitting their kid. That's how it rolls. I think we just got a comment from the live stream there, T. Question from Matthew Gruff. Can Alex give a brief description of what it's like driving a P1 car, downforce, braking, speed, etc.? So I think, Brad, that's the sort of point you're, you're getting onto now, isn't it? Now, Yeah, so we're, we're getting onto the kind of quicker end of things. Do you want me to let Alex answer that? Yeah, go on then. Um, it's... So you get to the speed where stuff where stuff goes narrow and scenery goes blurry and then everything changes. <laughs> and that's that's the big thing about driving an LMP1, especially in the dark. The the dark changes your life in a, in a sports car because it just makes everything... I think Jensen Button at this year's Le Mans said it feels about 400 miles an hour and he's not far away from the truth. Because you take away so much of the... You take away so much of the information and when you've got less information, everything feels faster. But, um, I mean, to be honest, this year it was kind of sketchy because we had some things breaking and stuff you know kind of falling off and all of that kind of thing so we're always going, nice to have that uncertainty yeah, <laughs> exactly. on the so there's a there's a little bit of kind of you're going through the porsche curves and the load is just that that's the biggest sensation that you feel when you're driving a prototype at high speed the the venturi is so huge and the amount of downforce and load is so big that it's just that energy the sensation of energy going through the car i can't describe it's just massive so just dragging you back to kind of i guess around the middle of your your formative years so you you made a step into british formula three and yeah. so you've you've now gone from normally aspirated then into a turbocharged car and now we're back into normally aspirated again yeah and this is the old british f3 cars before it turned to the current ones which for confusion uh, are an actual old formula four car but anyway exactly the but, good ones with the so you've now got a car which has probably more grip than power yeah. relative to some of the previous cars so 
how did that compare jumping from FPA so that's, then into that car? You know, that's uh, an FPA car was a massive turbo with a Recaro strapped to it. And then this thing was just an Airfix model turned upside down with, you know, a lawnmower engine in the back. So it's just a completely different ballpark. So once again, you've had to learn a different way of driving a car. You're now having to drive using the aero. Yeah, so drive using the aero. So it's all about minimum brake pressure, minimum brake pressure, minimum brake pressure, U-style, if anybody is a... No, explain that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So in a very, very high-power car, you do something that's called V-style, which we get awfully excited about. Essentially, it's brake deep. I've got no grip in the middle, so I turn the car, and then I point the car nice and straight, and then I bring all of my power in and I use the traction. I lock my diff up and I get out. Whereas uh, a car that can carry speed through the middle, you drive a U, which is get off the brakes and roll speed through the middle because I haven't got enough power to drive the car uh-huh. out through the exit. So it's a lot less complicated than we make it sound. But by this point... <laughs> so but, but, you know, if no, we... No, that makes that really cl- helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite easy, but don't tell anyone. They won't, they won't pay us. So by the time you're kind of 17, <laughs> 17, 18 years old, you know, kind of mid to late teens, you've had a very big experience of completely different styles that you've had to learn and adapt to. Yes. So then when you jump in the bigger things, the, the faster things. The process is the important bit. So it's learning how to go to jump in this and then learn the process of that as quickly as possible. So the first time, couple of times you adapt, you're really slow and it might take you like a whole season to figure it out. But then... You learn the process of working with the data and figuring out what this thing, how do I, how do I tickle it immediately? And then you can, you know, improve. That's the big deal. And so the reason that I'm asking you all these things, just what, just to build to the bigger point is someone who hasn't had the opportunity to, to drive such a varied junior career, someone who's maybe been in some, in only naturally aspirated cars, for example, when they get spat out into something that's very, very fast, like whether it's Formula 2 um, or, or I don't know, someone finds their way into a Formula 1 seat without that much... Um, if they stroll into a Formula 1 seat. Potentially. <laughs> how, how much well, they need more a, They need a good pro, don't they, for them? Exactly. Um, <laughs> my, my main point is, do you think that that whole background of it being so varied and you having to adapt to something different every time you step to the next level... Does it then just make the final transitions, like going into a very fast LMP1 car, that much easier? Well, that's why we see kind of guys like... Do you remember Kobayashi before he went to Formula 1? Legend. Yeah, yeah. legend. And, you know, he now does good, th- good stuff in a Toyota prototype. But he was kind of a bit-ish, wasn't he, in GP2? But he'd sort of been out doing a bit of Super Formula and all sorts of different various bits and some Japanese F3 and all that kind of thing. That's why I think he got on well when he jumped in an F1 car because he'd learned how to sort of drive this and that or whatever. So, Brilliant. Uh, final point from you, Brad, before we... Um, thankfully, you've taken up a lot of the tech time uh, time here, Alex, which yeah, is sorry great. To, sorry to swallow <laughs> No, that, no, it's please. brilliant because it means we'll all be wide awake for the karting. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> do you want to just wrap up? The... Yeah, so I did have just one last thing and that was be honest about actually how much practice have you done at Buckmore Park over the years? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Well, I wasn't invited to the practice session this morning. I was given specific instructions to turn up <laughs> after 10. Although there wasn't a practice session. Oh, okay. it, was, yeah, yeah. it was last it, night. It, it, and, was he, and obviously, <laughs> and, our and free <laughs> practice session. How is, much do you weigh? Is he well? lying? What, 80, 89 kilos I weigh? Oh my goodness, he, I reckon he's 67 for the <laughs> kitchen. Six, 65, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to leave it there. Alex Brundle, thank, thank you so much guys. for your time. Alex Brundle, thanks for... Thanks, 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, uh, let's get up. Let's get up the tech man from Birmingham, Motorsport.com's Matthew Summerfield. You, you can have my chair. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I feel bad. I feel like we should have just invited everyone to breakfast with us because we basically had this chat this morning. But given the fact that we're, we're halfway through the season and given the fact that Spanners is already telling me I need to hurry up and wrap this thing. I'm so bored already. I haven't even spoken yet. <laughs> I think it would probably be good to sort of set, just, just have a look at the outline uh, of the season. And let's just focus on the Ferrari and the Mercedes. So where were we when the season began with those two manufacturers? Well, I think at the start of the season, the, the, the way you have to look at it is that Ferrari went in with perhaps the better car um, overall as a package. Um, Mercedes have taken a different approach in terms of development to to Ferrari as well throughout the season. So we've seen... Sorry. <laughs> you know me and microphones don't get on. Do you know what? He threw away a microphone. He threw away a microphone. It turned out it was just back to front. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so the tech man... Yeah, can't can't work a microphone, but there we go. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that we... Where you're looking at the, this season with Mercedes and Ferrari is a, a different approach to the development curve. Um, Mercedes have basically hinged their whole first part of the season on their side pod development, uh, which came um, a few races ago in Austria. So, so is that in a sense you're saying that Ferrari showed up with uh, a, a car that was really ready for this season, but Mercedes sort of developed into their car when they introduced this big update? I think Ferrari had a better understanding of their car straight out of the box than right. Mercedes did, perhaps, and, and that obviously helps when you're setting up the car. Um, Ferrari, this season, have obviously made changes in terms of the wheelbase, and right. that's something that seems to have been forgotten. 
Um, everybody last year were going that Mercedes made a mistake. This have got this extremely long wheelbase car and they're calling it a diva. Um, and it's very difficult to, to work with. Yet this year, Ferrari have practically the same wheelbase and that story has completely gone away. So, you know, the, the, to say that last year's car was purely down to that, that, those problems with the Mercedes is incorrect. I think a lot of the problem that Mercedes had last season and moving into this season is that they'd had no challenge for three or four years. You know, that they, they've been the, the work, the, the, the best team out there on the grid and right. all of a sudden they've got a challenge. Uh, Ferrari have made a huge leap forward, not only on the chassis side of things, but on the power unit side of things. Uh, and that's obviously had an impact on, on Mercedes approach. Okay, now I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think that Mercedes, uh, because they had the opportunity uh, as Ferrari ex- extended or lengthened their wheelbase, Mercedes had the opportunity to make their shorter. Do you think Mercedes doesn't want to mess with the car because it's simply a harder design to deal with and they're afraid of breaking it in a way they can't fix? It's a conceptual thing. So the wheelbase is is primarily to do with aerodynamics. Right. We know that they run a low-rate car, and all of these things tie into one another. Um, Ferrari have obviously got a higher-rate car, but they're not to the extreme of Red Bull, who run a much shorter car than both of them. Um, and I think what you find interesting is when you pick up on comments like uh, Andy Green from Force India, when he mentions the fact that obviously they take on board the Ferrari power unit, but they also take Mercedes gearbox. Now, that defines the wheelbase of their car. The only way they can then shorten their car is by running a shorter wheelbase from the front end of the car. Um, uh, and Andy's basically saying, well, you know, we, we've, we're forced into that direction by Mercedes because we're purchasing their, their equipment. And, and as in that respect, everybody was talking this at the start of this season of Ferrari basically, uh, sorry, Haas having a, a Ferrari copy from last year. Um, which, which isn't the case because we're, we're talking of a car that, now has the same length gearbox as, as the Ferrari Works team. So there's all these small nuances between the designs of these cars. Yes, Chris? W- wasn't the, the deal with the Haas at the beginning of the season largely down to the fact that they had sort of used elements of Ferrari's front suspension, which basically dictates most of the front aero, and that's where this all sort of came about from? Well, most of the Haas car is dictated by the, the parts that are purchased from Ferrari because yeah. they do purchase, as you say, not only the rear end of the car, which is what a lot of the other, the other teams have started to do, but they also purchase as much as they possibly can from off of the list. So they're, they're, they're purchasing things like the, the brakes, uh, the front suspension, and as you say, that does dictate geometry and, and the, the wheelbase of the car. So, yeah. Spanners. I've got a question. Brad, are you trolling the live stream from the panel? <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. Like te- team wear. Look at your shirt. Look, Mr. Apex. Just getting um, properly involved. Uh, so somebody here in the chat room, I've forgotten who it is, is basically asking about the Ferrari battery. This magic battery we keep hearing about. Uh, explain in detail how Ferrari are cheating and should be thrown out <laughs> of the sport. Uh, and if you guys have got any live, que- live questions, put your hand up and we'll get to you as well. Okay, so Ferrari's battery has been the same design since 2014. This is not a new thing. It's just something that has gained attention because it's suddenly that everybody appears to think that they've got an advantage when it comes to their energy recovery system. Um, so they've had a twin battery system since 2014. Um, it's just the way that they've designed their battery in order to make it work more efficiently for them. Um, 
I don't want to get into the whole energy recovery system because it's a bit of a minefield. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and obviously we're a bit limited for time. But uh, as we know, they have made some gains in that area. Um, but I think, as me and Matt were discussing uh, last night, very, yeah. uh, well, should I say, early this morning. Um, Same without me? Without you, oh. you. You troddled off to bed. Um, <laughs> but um, they were doing some interesting things, let's say, um, out of corners. Um, that it would appear that everybody seems to think that Ferrari have made their gains um, at the low end of the range and they're gaining speed in the corners. But if you look at the speed trap figures, it's at the top end where they're making their gains. Um, Chris? I, I, I do wonder about this, actually. Because how does uh, one make a gain in, in terms of sort of deployment when you're basically limited on, on power? Okay, so this is, what, again, uh, let's... let's Let's debunk something. They're not limited on energy. Everybody wants to talk about four megajoules. They're not limited to four megajoules. Okay. Okay. They're only limited to four megajoules from the energy store per lap. They can take energy directly from the MGUH to the MGUK. And that's a fact that everybody seems to forget about. So they're always taking more than four megajoules. And that's again something that everybody seems to forget when they're talking about these type of articles. Now, obviously, I wrote a rather speculative piece for motorsport because nobody knows what Ferrari are doing. They have made gains, and it's quite a significant gain. But my, my premise is based on that they are using what's called a freeload for the MGUH. So they are driving the turbocharger at a certain point with the MGUH. They're overriding it and pushing the wastegate exhaust over the rear wing, stalling the rear wing. So that's where the top speed advantage may come from. Um, it would appear that Mercedes have put their power unit, um, their new power unit, back a race. So have they suddenly realised what's going on in this situation, um, and and are basically going to come to 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 sort their issues out and maybe get on board with what Ferrari were up to? I'm enjoying this. <laughs> but it's, what's, what's interesting to me is that quite a lot of the cars that I have been involved with, if you start trying to stall rear wings for people who are really techy, if you, if you start trying to stall rear wings with turbo wash, then actually quite often you need, which I find quite interesting if it's, you know, within homologated boxes and you can only change so much, you need heat protection on rear bodywork elements and that kind of thing which takes quite a lot of development in terms of aerodynamics as well, because when you start heat protecting elements of that specific, of rear wings, etc., you then start to change the way that they work aerodynamically because things get thicker and thinner, etc., etc. So how long do you think that that system would have had to have been in the works to actually generate a working system, including the aerodynamic devices that have to deal with the extra temperature well this is another chat that we had last night based around the f duct which obviously is a, a similar system in terms of stalling and my, my my talk with matt was how do you get this past somebody how do you convince somebody that you want to spend x hundreds of thousands of pounds on something that might not actually give you a gain because it's an incremental thing yes it might look good on paper but when you actually put it into the real world, oftentimes it doesn't actually pr produce the results. And melt the pillars. Yeah. Um, well, this I mean, was a big thing with, uh, 
was it was it Renault at the beginning of this year? Their rear wings were just okay. Melting so, off. so so Renault are doing it in the opposite direction. Renault oh. are actually blowing the rear wing for extra performance, and they have a Kevlar protector underneath the underside of the main plane, so that the main plane doesn't melt. But you'll still see it scorched during, at the end of a race because it's heat that you you're basically putting too close to to a component. So. Uh, Renault are doing what I would consider to be the opposite end of the spectrum. They're trying to get gain downforce from blowing the rear wing, um, whereas Ferrari are, are attempting to do what I would suggest was being done with the F-duct. So you're gaining a little bit of extra downforce by being able to run a higher angle of attack on the rear wing for, for cornering um, and then just shedding some of that drag on the straights. That's really interesting, I presume. For some people, yes, maybe. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, the tech man from Birmingham, Matthew Summerfield. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers, Summers. So, actually, Summers was, right from the beginning, so supportive because he was just a, a guy writing tech blogs, suddenly took off on motorsport. When we started Missed Apex, we suddenly had a big hitter in our corner, tweeting from an account with 80 billion followers on it um, and, and lending us a... An authority yeah. uh, that we didn't deserve at the time oh, and we never still will. don't deserve. Yeah, quite exactly. frankly. And what happened to my accredited journalist? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, FIA accredited journalist uh, Matt Trumpets. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's not a real term, but it really winds Chris up. So just use it all the time. <laughs> FIA accredited journalist. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, yes. what keeps you dialing a Skype call? to a bunch of limeys talking about F1. The best response I can really give that's honest is um, the comic XKCD. Anybody ever, any internet nerds know this. Yeah. Um, and and, and he's perhaps his most famous, and it's a single panel one. It's just some guy at a keyboard like this. And there's a little bubble saying, it's 3 a.m., come to bed. And the answer is, but someone is wrong on the internet. So, <laughs> there you go. It's just... and, and I love it. That, that's something that we've always, we've always uh, said is that it's fine to debate. For example, yes. you know, with, with whose fault is this? Um, we never have a racing incident. We just don't acknowledge that it could be a no-blame situation. Uh, you know, and uh, this has been inspired by our marriage, darling, because it's... Um... <laughs> It's the old, it's the water wife paradox, isn't it? It's if, if, if I, if I put water there and you knock it over, you say, you idiot, why would you put water there? And, and obviously if it's the other way around, you say, you know, you idiot, watch where you're putting your hand. So yeah, okay. So. He but, normally says it slightly differently to that. Oh, kick it on the floor. Well, it's normally wine on the floor, isn't it? But, uh, you know. Well, yeah, after last night, yeah, yeah that, that oh, seems yeah, a more yeah. apt analogy. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but in our house, if the house was, was burning, right? And, and we were trying to escape from the house, uh, after we picked up our favorite child and the other one, I suppose, if we've got time, but <laughs> Nic Nicola would stop me and say, no, let's, let's establish blame. But the, but the house is burning. We, we need to leave the house. Yeah, but it was your fault, wasn't it? So <laughs> fine. Yes. The fire was my fault. Okay. So that, that's what we do. And, and we have these debates so that we can genuinely kind of discuss who, the mechanics of the racing. And sometimes that does tie us up in knots, like Bradley with his, uh, Lane's Lane. analogy. Did everyone enjoy that? Uh, are you still, are you still sticking I'm with that? I'm standing by it with the you caveat. Dying, you're dying yeah. on that hill, are you? I was driving down the motorway today and as someone moved across from me, in fact, just yesterday, yeah. when right. I picked Matt up from the airport, someone nearly violated the lane system and nearly crashed into <laughs> us. And it's the same. If you're driving in a straight line on a track and someone moves across towards you, that's their fault. <laughs> so basically, it depends. It depends. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry, carry on. No, well, that was it, really. I mean, um, I just want to thank you guys here at this live event. You've flown all the way from Brooklyn, um, which is amazing. Uh, Chris, you've taken a train. It's not as impressive. No, um, not quite. <laughs> but the point is, you guys give up um, so much time on a Sunday, and you put up with me basically being the internet equivalent of, like, a amateur dramatics director. Like, no, none of this will do. None of this will do. Waiting for Spanner. <laughs> Wait, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to say a big thank you to you guys. All right, now. It is time for the Missed Apex Quiz. And here is our Quizmaster, Chris Catman Turner. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, good. I'm really pleased to be here. It's fantastic to meet you all finally. Yeah, I mean, your quizzes, though, have been famously inaccurate, uh, poorly thought out, and, <laughs> and, and poorly delivered. Um, what can we expect today? Yeah, well, to be fair, that, um, that thing going into my bank account means <laughs> that they should be biased towards you, I would thought, surely. <laughs> All right then, Chris. You you are going to test the panel here, us four. Uh, but also, uh, when we fall down, do feel free to go to the audience and uh, and make be, them us look stupid. Be very frequently then. That's absolutely fine. So, how's the format? What what are we doing? It's not that last time where you said deliberately give the wrong answer somehow. No, although that would have been awesome. Never mind. No, it would have been terrible <laughs> again. Um, so we've got three rounds today. Um, the first one will be ba- it's all based on the 2018 season. This time, there'll be two quick fire questions. And the first will be a general knowledge. The second is a true or false. Right. So, so we'll first go do trumpets. <laughs> We're so bad at quizzes. <laughs> I'm terrible at these. Well, yeah, and yeah. I know nothing about F1. The, yeah. Are these F1 questions? I'm afraid so. Damn it. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> terrible at writing. Um, which driver spectacularly collided with Brendan Hartley at the beginning of the Canadian Grand Prix? Can I no st- idea. Can I steal his point? No, no. Go to the audience to uh, steal it. Everybody from the audience. Uh, we'll go for Alex. Stroll, wasn't it? It was indeed in his home round. I mean, you, why didn't you just guess Stroll? That would have oh, been... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Jet lag. Here you go. True, true or false, Sergei Sorokin received a penalty for driving too slowly in the French Grand Prix. Uh, I'm going to go with true. Absolutely, that is true. That was just a massive kick in the nuts, wasn't yeah. it? William's <laughs> really struggling and you get a penalty for going slowly. They are trying as hard as they can. You leave them alone. Was, it, was that under like a safety car? Yeah, yeah he wasn't yeah. keeping up under the safety car. Uh, we'll go for Sparkles then. Hello, Anne. <laughs> Who is the only driver not in the top three teams, the Mercedes, Red Bull or Ferrari, to score a podium so far this year? So, why did, did Renault get a podium? No, of course he didn't. I don't, I don't know. I actually... Go to the audience quicker. Go to the audience. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, it was Perez, wasn't it? Absolutely. And then true or false, Lewis Hamilton is the only driver to have three pole positions in a row in 2018. 50-50. Uh, uh, false. False. Correct. Yeah. It was Sebastian Seb, Seb. Vettel. Yeah. yeah. Between Bahrain, China and Baku. Yay. All right. Brad, here we go. Which driver is currently best of the rest, excluding Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari, in the championship standings. Hulkenberg. Correct. That, that was a, a podcast topic last week. <laughs> I don't listen well, to the podcast Will my questions I'm not also be specifically things I've said? <laughs> I think we I? need a quiz that's specifically things I've said in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I would be much better at that. And true or false, Fernando Alonso has more than five times the number of points as Stoffel Van Dorn has this year. Oh, wow, that's tough. More than five times. Yeah, let's. <laughs> well, hang on. Does, does Stoffel actually have points? Let's say yes. Yes, it's true. Uh, true. Alonso yes, has sir. 44. Van Dorn has eight. And then we'll come back to you, Spanners. P1. Here we go. I'm excited. Who is the only driver on a zero score so far this season? Oh no! Wow, the only driver. So Grosjean has just scored points. So it's so not him. So let's go for uh, 
Sorokin. Yes, because he drives too slowly. Get in. Um, and true or false? Am I winning now? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Lewis That's ha- not going to happen. <laughs> I've made these questions for you. Lewis Hamilton yep. has only one fastest lap of the race this year. Lewis Hamilton... One fastest lap this year. Only one. Yes, true. Yes, that is true. Yes. In Excellent. Germany, the current leader on that is Renault bound Daniel Ricciardo. Cool. That was the first round. That was the first How round. How do you think it's gone? What, it's all right, isn't it? What, what are the scores so far, two, Nick? One, one, one. Uh, we have Trumpets and Sparkles in last with one point, Idiots. and Brad and Spanners in joint first with Yay. two points. We'll, we'll move on to round two then. So it's F1 or fiction. We're going to revive that old. Nice. nice. Yeah. So, just for those who haven't heard it before, I'm going to read you three facts, one of which is false. You have to tell me which is the incorrect fact. So, Trumpets, your topic is Stoffel Van Dorn. Oh, great. Can I just point out, being from America, clearly I'm at a disadvantage in this, because uh, we have problems with fact and fiction. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> if it's fake, just say it's fake. fake. Yeah, okay. And then, fake he, then he has to go away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stoffel Van Dorn was a more dominant... Fake. <laughs> he was a more dominant champion in GP2 than Lewis Hamilton was, i.e. he had a greater win percentage. Okay, that's the first one. Van Dorn was born in the Netherlands, but chooses to race under Belgian nationality, and he qualified ahead of his teammate Jensen Button on his debut. Um, the second one is fake. You agree? Does the audience agree? Yeah. They're all nodding. Go on then. Okay. The false one is B. He is Belgian. Coincidentally, Max Verstappen was born in Belgium but chooses to race for the Netherlands. That's fine. Yep, for that. Good. So, two points for you. Then we go to Sparkles again. And you're right. on Lance Stroll. Oh, going for all the, uh, all the fun ones. So, Stroll was part of the Ferrari Dri- Young Driver Academy right. between 2010 and 2015. Yep. I wonder how much that cost. <laughs> I'm not saying he's real. About 12 pence. He's the youngest driver to finish on the podium in his rookie season. And he set the second fastest time in qualifying for Monza in 2017. It's, it's, it's a last one. He, he didn't qualify second in Monza, did he? Oh. He started second because somebody had a penalty. What do we think, audience? Is that right? Yeah. No idea, I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave them out, they're useless. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. so you're absolutely right. He set the fourth fastest time, but Pressure's both on, Red Bulls had engine Yes. Pieces. What a wonderful system. That we Pressure's on now, I got Brad. really nervous yeah. when you started saying that one, because I knew the first two were true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brad, uh, going to go for Brendan Hartley, which uh, here you know from the oh, race you besties. Share. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hartley has not finished ahead of Gasly so fast this year. Hartley's completed a test day for Mercedes F1 team in 2012. And on his debut, he became the first driver from New Zealand in Formula One for over 30 years. I'm going to say the the first one is false. Yes, that's correct. He's finished ahead just once. Tenth in Baku compared to Gasly's 12th. Although I think Magnussen had a fair deal in that when he tried to run him into a wall. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then Spanners. So has everyone got those right so far? Oh, man. Yeah. Pressure. No, I wouldn't have got any of those, I don't think. So. Well, you, your topic is your favourite driver, Marcus Ericsson. <laughs> <laughs> Do we not have a jingle for him? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. So, and, and because it's you, I've actually given you a cheeky fourth option, oh, just because I couldn't resist it. Right, okay. You'll see why. Go on then. So the first fact, in four years of GP2, he only scored three victories before being promoted to Formula 1. His first taste of Formula One was a test for Braun GP 
in 2009. In his first year of F1, Ericsson never finished ahead of Kamui Kobayashi. And the fourth fact, Marcus Ericsson is afraid of the sea. (laughs) 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 Is that somehow true? Like, if that is somehow true... uh, Okay, Uh, let's go for... um, the, let's, let's go for the one that the tested with Braun. I, isn't he too young to have done that? I'm going to say false. He didn't test with Braun in 2009. What do we think? Did he test with Braun? He did. Oh, test with Braun. No he way! Oh, did he actually? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, the worst wow. quiz ever. Yeah. That is blow. That has genuinely blown <laughs> yeah. my mind. Yeah, Chris and I <laughs> thought that was. False. So hang on, wait a minute. Is he genuinely afraid of the sea? Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, he's not genuinely. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So that was also false. Right, okay. So we're going to need a judge's ruling on that for the legitimacy of the But you quiz. had a better chance of getting it right. Yeah, you, you actually you actually got it wrong anyway. <laughs> you, had a, you, had, you, you had, had a better 50, 50 We had a 33. So <laughs> we can argue about who was right and wrong uh, all day. Uh, so we will. As I uh, said, my quizzes were never meant to be accurate or actually fair. I oh, know. That's true. Okay, so one more round. Uh, do you want to know which one the right one was? No, I've no, lost interest now. Not, I don't have yeah. points. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, for those interested. It was uh, C. He did uh, beat Kobayashi twice yeah. out of seven oh. times. Final round is. You're doing very well. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And you're a beautiful man. <laughs> Distracting. So, you've got great calves. The term I prefer. The great calves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, my now my new name is now called Calf Man because. Uh, Race and driver. I Alex, complimented Alex his Brundle. calves before the show. They are magnificent. <laughs> It's the only bit of me that Come for the questions, stay Come. for the calves. Right, <laughs> carry, carry on. Okay, final round. Home and Away, which is definitely not stolen from a BBC panel show. <laughs> so, in this round, you get to choose between two questions, either on a declared subject that you told me you liked in advance, or two questions on a mystery subject that could be anything, maybe slightly, things that you don't like. You get one point for each question on your safe subject, or three points oh. per question. Oh. Oh. I, need to, I need to gamble. I need to gamble, yeah. don't I? So, yeah, what are the scores? So we know whether you need to gamble or not. Well, in plum last is Spanners with two points. But that means that it was heavily weighted that last round. That's ridiculous. Um, in joint second is Trumpets and Sparkles with three points each. But in the lead is Brad with four. P1, still. Yeah, P1. <laughs> Trumpets, Sorry. your home topic is tyres. <laughs> Do you want to go with that or uh, or gamble? I'll roll the dice. Roll the dice. Interesting. So your away subject is Felipe Massa. Oh yeah. Excellent. So at which circuit did Rob Smedley? I'm not going to do an accent. Say Fernando is faster than you. Oh, so these these away ones are quite easy. Oh, this yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> I remember the radio call, but I don't I don't remember the track so much. So. Oh, really? Yeah. It's easy yeah. if you know. Yeah, but but I, I still get a guess. At go on, it. guess at it, and then and we'll see if our clever audience knows. I'm gonna go Manza. No, no. <laughs> it was Hockenheim. Absolutely. So you get no points. Good. Wow. And the second question, Massa holds the record for most victories in Formula One at which circuit? At which circuit? Oh, I think I might know. The that. thing is, I remember him never quite winning, so this is... <laughs> <laughs> he did very well at one particular circuit. It was ten years ago. Have a guess. So. Yeah, you should have. You should have. Yeah, I'm totally going to gamble now. <laughs> okay, is that, is that a pass? Did the audience no. know? No, you're going to guess? Go for it. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess... Um, 
just say attractive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know it's not um, Sao Paulo. I'm just going to say Brazil because he's from Brazil. It's not Blackmore Park. Go for it, Sam. <laughs> it's Sam Real Park. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's the hey. Do we miss that track or what? That oh, was a great circle. Yeah, great go on then. Circle. So is it me now? No. No. Sparkles. Yes. Go for it. So your home subject is XF1 drivers now in Formula E. <laughs> which I feel which I feel great with. Okay. But the three points. Three points back in. Come on. We're gonna okay. gamble. So your away subject is Red Bull before twenty ten. Because you told me you like things after twenty ten. <laughs> <laughs> so name one of the three drivers raced by Red Bull in their debut season, which was two thousand and five. Just one. Just you one. Get one. That's one. Like wow. One of three. One Super of three. Easy again. One of the chart. I know. I know. <laughs> but I know the ones that from like oh seven and oh eight. But I don't know about oh five. Lietzi was one of them. No. That's his guess. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it is because we're running out. Yeah, of time. Yeah. correct. So it was <laughs> oh, Lietzi, Christian Clean, and David Coulthard. Ah. And which is he that early? Okay. He is that old. Which uh, which engines did they use in that season? In that season. Ferrari. No. Ah. Cosworth. Cosworth, really? Yeah. Okay. Go on, remember then. Motoring okay, Catman. Last okay. couple of questions then. For Brad, your yeah. home subject is F1 at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Okay. Oh, oh, F1 at the Nürburgring mm. Nordschleife. That was not what I chose as my subject. But okay, yeah. that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to have to gamble because if my maths is correct, by Chris getting three points in one of his, um, and he was only one point behind me, I, I can only draw if I go for my safe one. So let's go for a uh, gamble. Go away. So your away subject is the wonderful Pastor Maldonado. Okay. What number did Maldonado choose to race with in F1? Thirteen. Oh, straight in. Damn. And <laughs> and which driver did he flip over at the Bahrain Grand Prix in 2014? <laughs> Easy when you know it. Oh. Can I steal this one and get his point? Can't remember that one. You can't remember. But uh, let, let's give it right, to the audience then. He's failed. Give it to Ferret. Gutierrez. Ah, okay. It was. It was yeah. Espan Gutierrez. Okay. So. Final one for you, Spanners. Oh, let's go. Come on. Your pride. home subject is Lewis Hamilton. Hashtag 44. <laughs> That's just a number. Number 44. Is it, is it just a number? That is wasn't it? the question. No. You could have hashtag yeah. team. It's a magic number. Like, right, go on. What, what do you want? Home or away? Oh, I've got to go away. You've got to go away. Yeah. Fair enough. So your away subject is Nico Rosberg. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, the answer is he should have given him more room on the outside in 2015. <laughs> uh, he did reverse it up the en- uh, exit slip road in Monaco. And uh, yes, it was a complete fluke. Congratulations. <laughs> nine points. Yes. Come on then. Yeah. So, for which team did Rosberg make his debut in Formula 1? Oh my God. Was it not Williams? It was oh, Williams. Oh, good. Oh, okay. That just seemed too easy. Yeah, it oh, is way oh, too okay. easy. Right. I feel like there's some bias Quiz is terrible. Okay, go on. And where did Rosberg score his first F1 victory? Oh, um, Barcelona. No. No. no China. China. So, who won the quiz? Uh, Brad won what was that noise? In what last place is Trumpets with three points. Idiot. Uh... <laughs> In third place is Spanners with five. That's brilliant, that. Uh, podium, four, podium. Third place, uh, not a good one. Second place, even, is Sparkles with six points, and P1, Brad with seven. Well done, Bradley. Good one for the quiz. Thank you very, very that much. That was just practice. That was practice. Congratulations. For okay, yourself, so. <laughs> nice. uh, excellent. So I think that Tony is going to give us a an award, which we will have live, which is comment of the week. Yeah. And I'll stall. You, you had two things to do. Come on. <laughs> Oh, Tony, you're going to have to hold the mic while she does it. Hey, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm really... <laughs>
<laughs> this is your entertainment for this evening, by the way. Isn't it? <laughs> That's a professional. <laughs> Thank you very much. Tony, who's got the comment of the week from the live chat? Evangelos says the panel looks like an F1 Comic Con. We like that one. Yep. <laughs> Low stealth. Summer says, hi, Bradley, bored, pulls out phone. <laughs> but I think our winner, it's, there's, there's no, nothing compares. The spanner's ready. When we're in the shed, I can just whack him off. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think that's called getting away with it, isn't it? Oh, completely. <laughs> cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.